Welcome to the worship of God. As we begin our worship today, we sing a hymn that was written by a hymn writer who is a theologian as well. He said that every hymn should contain good theology that teaches as well as captures our passion. And so we have this hymn. You'll probably recognize the tune on a day when it doesn't seem like much joy in the world. This tune will bring it out of us and give it as a gift to God. Let's stand together and sing. We come to worship, bringing our joy. We come to worship, bringing our grief. We turn aside from the distractions of our daily living. We rest in the eternal love of God. As we affirm God's love, we confess our inadequacy at loving. We have not loved neighbors or enemies or ourselves as Christ has commanded. We confess our sins and shortcomings. We ask God to forgive us. We pause for a moment of silent confession. Sisters and brothers, God has baptized us in grace. God has forgiven us. Let us live large lives in God's love. Let us lift our voices in praise to God.
Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church. During our summers, we move away from the big sanctuary to the smaller sanctuary, which is uh, our chapel. It was our church's original sanctuary built in 1954. So for some of our members, it was like uh, coming home. So welcome, welcome especially uh, those of you who are guests here today. Uh, welcome to this place of worship. And also we have three guests here on the front row. The, these will be singing the three voices. We'll be singing uh, our time of offertory today on the back of the order of services uh, contains their names, Aaron, Jenna, and Katie. So welcome and we're glad that you join us and bring the gift of song. And uh, for any of you uh, who are guests, there is on the edge of your order of service uh, a welcome card. If you take a moment to complete that, drop it in the offering plate, it'll help me connect name and face uh, with you. And also for anyone who would like to be prayed for this week, it's an honor for our deacons and for our staff to pray for you by name and by need. And so feel free to place that on the card and drop it in the plate uh, as well. Um, as you notice, uh, Dr. Keith Walker is at the piano today because Melinda Clark, our organist, is away on vacation. Who knew you were supposed to take a vacation in the summer? We'll have to look at that job description. Uh, but uh, Melinda is away this week, and so Keith uh, is playing the piano, and uh, Daniel and I offered to do so, but he said no, uh, let him do it because chopsticks would only go so far in uh, praise. So thank you for uh, giving, giving the gift today. We'll be hearing three scriptures as we always do, and the first scripture comes from Psalm 107. I'm going to use that as the basis of the character uh, sermon that I'm preaching today on King David. You know, throughout the summer, Daniel and I have been preaching on characters with character, and today it is about uh, King David. I'll use that as a lens to look at uh, his life. Um, it is a day that um, our day in here today is not unlike the psalmists encountered in their day. When you think about it, there's celebration, like some of us were able to be at Nancy Davis's 90th birthday party yesterday. We celebrated the gift that uh, she is to our church and the world. Uh, celebration of uh, a whole bunch of Northside drivers, several you who know who you are with calloused hands and sore knees. We worked on the Habitat House yesterday, and our church fed 50 people at the Habitat build. And that's worth celebrating. We heard a great presentation about Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood in church school today, presented by Daniel. And what a soft voice we need at such a harsh time. So there's much celebration, but also you know that we walk in to this holy place with bloody shoes again because of the shootings of yesterday and yesterday evening, the mass shootings. I think there are 29 or more who have, were shot to death, 40 who have been injured, and many of them critically. Some were on their way to buy a backpack to go to school, or a book bag, or some new clothes for the first grade, and they encountered a shooter in the mall. Or some were waiting outside a venue maybe like Eddie's Attic, where several of us were last night, and they were shot to death. It is in El Paso, Texas, and Dayton, Ohio, that our hearts extend today. This situation that we have these days needs our action, but also it, we need to be reminded, reminded of God's steadfast love, and that's what the psalmist will do in this psalm right now. Welcome. A reading from the Psalms, Psalm 107, beginning with the first verse. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for God is good, for God's steadfast love endures forever. 
Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Those God redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to an inhabited town. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and the Lord delivered them from their distress. God led them by a straight way until they reached an inhabited town. Let them thank the Lord for this steadfast love, for God's wonderful works to humankind. For God satisfies the thirsty, and the hungry God fills with good things. Let those who are wise give heed to these things and consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Will you join your heart with me in prayer? Giver of life, we gather in this place with hearts heavy from the burden of violence. We hear news about ongoing war in Syria, Yemen, Afghanistan. We know that thousands of those gathered on our southern border have fled gang violence and domestic violence in their home countries. In every instance of violence, mass shootings, road rage, sharp words spoken to slow store clerks and annoying family members or colleagues, in the separation of immigrant and refugee children from their families and protectors, we see the dissolution of another part of our collective souls. We know that thoughts and prayers are an insufficient response on our part. And so we ask for the courage to act. We ask for boldness and strength to be co-creators with you, co-creators of peace and justice and neighborliness in this world. Holy God, may there be peace in our hearts, peace in our homes, peace in our country, and peace in the world. Amen. Through Christ, we lay aside abusive behaviors because in Christ there is only inclusive love a reading from the letter of Paul to the Colossians. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated on the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. 
In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Here ends the second lesson. I invite all the children to come forward at this time for moments together. We're going to sit right here on the step, and if you have an a offering envelope, you can give it to Pastor Daniel, okay? Good morning. Good morning. Reed, you want to sit by me? What do you think? Leah, come on. All right, well, this morning I wanted to, hi, I haven't seen you guys in a few weeks. How's everybody been? Good? All right, sit down. So now um, I brought something with me. What does this look like? A treasure chest. I'm glad that's what you thought it looked like. I was hoping you would say that. And inside, I was going to unpack something. You can help me. We kind of have to unpack it with our thinking, not just our hands. See, in just a minute, we're going to hear a story from the New Testament that Jesus told. And it's a special kind of a story. It's called a parable. Can you say parable? Parable. Parable. And you know what's special about parables? They're kind of like a story within a story. They hold something special inside. So I brought this special box because it holds something inside. And in our parable today, do you know what Jesus talks a little bit about? He talks a little bit about treasure. And so inside of here, I have a treasure that I wanted to show you. And you know, we're going to see this treasure inside later on in our church service today. So Leah, you slide the lock open, and Reed, you lift the box top. What's in there? What is that? Bread and a cup. Does anybody know why I have these in here? What are these? What usually goes in here? The grape juice. And we drink it during communion. And then what is this? It's a little piece of bread. And we're going to eat it today during communion, right? Is that because we're having a snack? Did Miss Andrew bring a lunchbox? And pack a snack? No, I brought a treasure. Reed, hold that one. So, Reed, is that a very big cup? No? What is it? It's small. It's small? And what, Leah, is this a big piece of bread? No, it's small. Today in the parable, Jesus talks about someone who had a lot, a great big amount of food. And he had it all, and when he thought about what he would do with his treasure, his big treasure of all that, he, instead of thinking maybe he would share it, he said, I'm going to keep it all for myself. And Jesus kind of said something different to him about that. He, he said that God didn't really want him to do that. And today, we are going to have communion, and we're going to drink a little bit of juice out of that cup. Hold up that cup, Reed. We're going to drink a little bit of juice out of there, and we're going to eat a little bit. Hold up the bread that you have left, Leah. We're going to eat a little bit of, a little bit of that bread today because this and this is a treasure that we have from Jesus. And it is the bread of life. Everyone say the bread of life and the cup of salvation. And those are big things, big things that Jesus gave us, big treasure, and we all have a little bit of it, and it's more than enough to go around, and that gives us so much from God. So now we're going to say a prayer. Everyone, let's bow our heads. Dear God, thank you for the treasure that you've given us through salvation. Help us to be thankful for all that you give us and for us to put our treasures in you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's go. Are you here?
Christ calls us to look beyond our possessions and wealth and instead to delight in God's generous grace. A reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, beginning with the 13th verse. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then Jesus told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he thought, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want to commend you for your restraint, because when Andrea asked, what does this little glass look like? Uh, I could see on some of your faces that you wanted to say, it looks like a shot glass. But I appreciate you restraining that. I will speak with the church council about that later. Here's the conclusion of the sermon. Now, don't get your hopes up. I'm not going to finish here, but this is the conclusion. Here is David's epitaph from my words. When life ground him down, and when his own poor choices took him down, he always found the ground of being to be God. That's it. When life ground him down, and when his own poor choices took him down, he always looked around and found the ground of being to be God. I came to that epitaph after marinating in these texts and the stories of David for a good while. It occurs to me that can be my own epitaph. You know, the difficulties of life, the stuff I've done to myself and the circumstances because of it, and then the discovery that the steadfast love of God endures forever. Maybe that can be your epitaph as well. Often I say in staff meeting and conversation with our staff members, yeah, I think that's going to be the epitaph on my tombstone. And they nod, and someone said the other day, we're going to need to get a bigger tombstone. And you may be right, Daniel. Could be your epitaph as well. Remembering what life brings us with gifts and grief and ourselves with God. You know, there's more known about King David in the Bible than there is about any other biblical character. More than there is known about Moses and Abraham. More than there is known about St. Peter or St. Paul. And though it sounds odd to say it, more than we know about Jesus of Nazareth. There are plenty of stories about David and also the poetry of David. 150 Psalms. Now, I know that scholars no longer attribute all of those songs and psalms to his own pen and to his writing, but the way I would say it is they're no longer attributed to him, but I think they bear his attributes. 
of what he had learned and was learning in life, this shepherd king, because they contain the human and holy work of earthy spirituality. I called David the godfather of earthy spirituality and got that earthy spirituality phrase from Eugene Peterson, uh, the writer, the translator of the message that many of you use. Two things about an earthy spirituality. One is that it names that the stuff of earth is holy and you pray it. As in, the psalmists talk about mountains and valleys, the sea and the stars, the nights that are sleepless and those that are filled with Sabbath rest. The psalmist drew the lexicon of living from all of life and found all that is the stuff of the earth, God-drenched. Part of the body of God, we might say. The second thing is, his earthy spirituality is not esoteric. It is not abstract. It's about his wounds and the wonder of life. He was a very flawed man, David was. He had plenty of faults, and he had failed in several areas, in his marriage, in parenthood, in leadership. But here's the thing. God did not fail him. God was always close and did not give up, to give up on David. Ground of being is that phrase that you know that I pull from Paul Tillich, the theologian. He was not speaking of God very personally as David would or the psalmist would, but he was speaking of being itself. God is all in all and a part of all. And I think that is uh, what, what I would like to say my faith is. Psalm 107 that we heard earlier today is a lens to look through at his life. It starts and ends with an awareness of God's steadfast love. But in between, in between there are many dangers, toils, and snares. His religion, David's religion, is forged out of rigorous and challenging relationships. I mean, you could almost say that David's middle name is and. David and, David and, David and. Here's a sampler platter of a few of those David and. David and Goliath, right, is an archetypal story that many have picked up on about the little guy taking on the big guy or the startup industry taking on the blue chip corporation. Malcolm Gladwell made it even more popular a few years ago in his book about this. But the way I would say it, the spiritual, earthy spirituality I pull from it is, claim your gifts, not another's. Claim your gifts, not another's. Remember, the story doesn't start on the battlefield. It starts in Saul, the king's tent, where the king said, David, I want you to wear my armor. And he puts on Saul's armor and clunks and clanks around like the tin man. And it's too big and it doesn't work. And David says, no, I think I will lay aside all of this and take up a slingshot with five smooth stones. Use your gifts, not another's. David and Goliath, David and Jonathan. Remember, Saul's son was Jonathan and Jonathan was David's best friend. And I think Jonathan and his father Saul were killed in the same war, uh, same battle. But you remember what Daniel, I mean David said in his grief. He said, the love of Jonathan for me was wonderful and surpassing the love of women. Oh, what you gonna do with that? Interesting comment. For me, it says that human love is far more complicated than we wish it were. There's a mystery to human love that transcends our words, and whatever that means, we just may as well say, okay, right? Love is complicated. Here's another, David and Absalom. Absalom was David's son, 
and this example of poor parenting can make your cho choices haunting. David was in a cutoff with his son Absalom. They didn't get along. He pushed him out of the uh, empire, really. Absalom's hate grew for his father, and he decided to commit patricide, to kill his own father. He even allied this uh, army to do so, led this overthrow. It was unsuccessful, but it was that much hatred that the son had for his own father. You remember how Absalom died. Ab Absalom uh, had a big bushy haircut, and he was riding a mule through a thicket. The thicket was so thick his hair got caught in it, and the mule kept going, and Absalom didn't. And David had said to the, David's army, now go easy on my son Absalom, but they did not. They killed him viciously and violently right there. For any of us who've done any sacred harp singing, like Jerry Poole, you remember uh, David's lament, Absalom's lament, would to God I had died, would to God I had died. For thee, O Absalom, my son, my son, my son. It is this ringing out of lament that is in the text that we hear about David. David and Absalom. Oh yeah, there's another at least, David and, it's the one you've been thinking about, Bathsheba. David and Bathsheba is certainly a story of adultery, but it's far more than that. Whenever ever there's sex, there's usually power in these stories. And as we studied back three years ago now, four years ago now, as we discussed same-sex marriage in uh, the congregation and took a stand about that, we looked at those seven or eight passages that seemed to be about homosexuality, but lo and behold discovered that beneath the notions of gender and sex is the issue of power differential. And that was the real sin. In my opinion, that is what those texts are about. Like, here is the mighty King David and commits adultery with an absentee, loyal foot soldier's spouse. Yeah, the dominoes began to fall about that time. There was first deception and then malice then conspiracy to murder involving other people to get their hands bloody, then the death of Bathsheba's husband, and then the cover-up of it. As with all times, the vortex of violence is insatiably hungry, and the dominoes keep on falling. We see that in today's news, don't we? Yes, a shooter picks up a gun, but a shooter's action, a shooter's action rides the wave of a culture that condones violence and enables it. But of course, what do we do about that? Well, we send the victims' families our thoughts and prayers. Now that's enough, isn't it? Or not? As we are called to ponder, we are also called to action and be part of redemption in this world. Where is redemption in the David story or in any of these stories? What actions can transform tragedy into redemptive hope? Regarding the issue of gun violence, Take a look at the website, Faith in Public Life. It is run, the Georgia segment of that is run by Graham Younger, whose family used to come to our church before they moved to New York and other places. Uh, talk to Virginia Gilbert and J.B. Gilbert and take action about this. Where is it that we yearn for a story that uh, is violent that needs to be transformed into redemption? As I think about the movies and musicals, the plays and the books that I love the most are those about someone being redeemed. Like, like old George Bailey there in It's a Wonderful Life as he's looking in all of his pockets there near the end and 
there Zuzu's petals. Remember that scene? Zuzu, his daughter's petals that he could not find in the alternative universe. And he feels the blood on the corner of his lip and he is overjoyed because suddenly he realizes just how alive he is. Thanks be to God, he does. Or that redemptive scene where Andy Dufresne reaches out and into the rain and is redeemed in Shawshank Redemption. Or Ebenezer Scrooge, who is visited by ghosts haunted, haunting his past, impaling his present, and frightening his future. Old Ebenezer Scrooge is redeemed. And suddenly Christmas is no longer just in his thoughts and prayers, but it becomes a feast where hungry are fed. David's life story and your life story and mine is a story of redemptive moments, right? Like when life has ground us down or when our own poor choices have brought us down but we always find while we are down, while we are down, the ground of our being, which is God. Let us let the table nourish us today, and may God bless us, everyone. Amen. It is our tradition that when a word is offered, an offer of invitation and dedication is given where we might make decisions and make new choices about our lives ahead this week. We come to this place as broken people, like broken bread, but broken open and available to the presence of God. We sing about that in our next hymn. Let's stand together and sing. Each time we gather, we bring celebrations and announcements and concerns to each other. I want to tell you about a few of those this morning. First, as James mentioned earlier, uh, yesterday was a full day for, for Northside Drive. began around 7.30 a.m. yesterday at a, a warehouse at Habitat for Humanity. And Latrice, the homeowner for whom uh, we began an interfaith build, 
beginning yesterday and for the next uh, consecutive eight Saturdays, building a home for Latrice and her family. Many Northside drivers and members of the congregations around this area, Jewish and Christian, gathered to build her home. And uh, I was able to hammer a few more nails this year than I did last year. Each year I get a, a little better. You weren't there to see that because you weren't in my group. You were two groups ahead of me. But James, it happened. I hammered a few nails. And many other Northside drivers did as well. Uh, we celebrate with Nancy Davis, who, although she's had a very difficult time, refractured her leg, celebrated her 90th birthday yesterday. Um, so our, our prayers are with uh, Nancy um, as she has continues to recover at Lynbrook. And uh, our hearts are heavy, as you know. And I don't have words, so I just offer my presence and to be with you at this moment where words cannot do justice to the insane cycle. So may God hear whatever that prayer is in the gaps between our words and our lives. And may the voices that we're about to hear uh, be voices that can help us continue our worship. We're so grateful that you all are here to help us worship this morning. Les trois voix, the three voices. And thank God for all the French lessons I took where I could both pronounce that and interpret it to you. There's some redemption for those French lessons. Come forward and sing for us. We're so glad you're here with us.
we want to celebrate communion, especially after the communion of voices that we have just heard and have been so gifted by. The order of service is an insert in your order of service for Holy Communion. Let us please read responsively and all are invited to participate. The peace of Christ be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, mighty God, creator of heaven and earth. Therefore, we praise you. <clears throat> Joining our voices with all the company of heaven, who forever proclaim the glory of your name, singing... Holy, holy Lord, the power and might. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might. And earth are It is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. Please be seated. On the night of Jesus' suffering and death, he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup. And having given thanks, he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. We celebrate the memorial of Christ's redeeming gift, O God, through this meal that speaks of both sacrifice and thanksgiving, recalling Christ's suffering and death and resurrection. We celebrate these holy mysteries. Sanctify us and your entire church that we may remain faithful in love and hope as we follow Jesus Christ our Lord. And hear us, O God, as we join together in praying the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying boldly, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The gifts of God for the people of God. All of God's people are welcome at this table. Take these gifts and remember that Christ died and was raised. And therefore, let us come to the table in thanksgiving and hope. Amen. Jesus, Lamb of God, have mercy on us. Jesus, blessed Lord, have mercy on us.
Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Please stand together for prayer. And let us pray. All loving God, we give you thanks for having refreshed us at your table as we have celebrated the presence of Christ deepen our faith, increase our love for one another, and send us forth into the world, the world, the world that has death and sirens and emergencies. Send us forth into the world in strength and in peace, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen.
And as we prepare to go on this rainy-ish Sunday where we need the light of God in our hearts, remember this. May the strength of God uplift you, the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you, and the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you courage this day and every day as we prepare to go in peace. Amen. Thank you.